0: This is Reset, and I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is changing its guidance about masks. The CDC previously used infection rates to set rules about masking, and now the number of available ICU beds and COVID-related hospital admissions will be weighed more heavily. Some estimates say that these changes could give the go-ahead to more than 70% of the country to unmask, and yes, that includes schools. On Friday, Illinois made some big changes too. Our governor said that kids in schools don't have to wear masks in areas where transmission isn't high. Here to help us sort it all out is infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Taramina with Dooley Health and Care. Hi, Dr. Taramina. Thanks for joining. Hey, Sasha. Big news last week from the CDC and from Governor Pritzker. So I want to start with your thoughts on the CDC changing its guidance.
1: So we knew it was coming. um, And there's a couple of things that, that I was really happy about. And there were a couple of things that are still a little like Hmm. Um, but I'm really pleased that they didn't do away with Eliminating case counts altogether—that is still part of this. It's just we've moved the needle quite a bit. Where previous to these recommendations, more than ninety percent of the country was still residing in as defined high transmission areas, and with the new definitions, more heavily weighing in those hospitalizations, hospital capacity, and um, you know the the stress on our healthcare systems—that moves us more towards most of the country, 70% or so, being in low to moderate transmission where masking can be relaxed quite considerably. And I think the most important factor is the fact that the original metrics, it's not that we went from something so dramatically conservative to so dramatically liberal, it's the original metrics were established before vaccines and before some of these effective treatments. So all of that is coming into play as part of the reason why we are able to relax things a bit more. We now have access to vaccines, access to treatments, access to appropriate masks, access to free testing. Mm -hmm. And that is all coming into play as well.
0: What do you think about Pritzker's decision on school masking?
1: You know, there's so many things that are been back and forth politically. Um, I do think that for the most part, especially if your child is vaccinated um, and living in an area where it is low transmission in a given county, as we are in Cook and all of the collar counties right now. I think it is reasonable to consider uh, masking being optional for uh, most healthy children that are fully vaccinated. So that you know, blanket statement of taking off masks in everyone in every school everywhere—it's probably coming uh, in in the weeks or maybe a month or two from now, depending mm-hmm. on how these metrics move. But um, you know, that's that's one area where everyone still is a bit nervous, and yet it's probably going to be a okay, based on all, you know, the last several weeks of many schools that have already rolled back, um, you know, in concert with seeing these numbers fall in the communities. We're also seeing case counts falling in the schools, which has been good.
0: Yeah. So as of today, would you recommend Illinois parents send their kids to school without mask? So
1: I am still in the mask camp. Myself and my daughter will remain masked at at least for the next month. Yep. And I I have told my daughter, you know, there's a lot going on over the next month or so with spring break traveling. We have a vacation plan that we very much would like to go on at the end of the month. And I want to see what numbers do over the next several weeks. I am eyeballing the first week of April. I want to see how things go over the month of March Mm -hmm. and, you know, we'll see where we're at in about four weeks and, and I'll make that decision with my daughter together. But I I would say for a parent that is just about ready to be done with masks, if their child is fully vaccinated, if they are not interacting regularly with folks who are immunosuppressed or otherwise vulnerable, kids under the age of five who can't be max- vaccinated just yet, I think that it is reasonable to consider making a decision that may be removing the mask at this time.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and that's Dr. Mia Teramina of Duly Health and Care, breaking down everything that you need to know about. COVID. Uh, Let's talk boosters for a moment here. Um, Illinois is looking pretty close to entering this endemic phase, right, where we're living with the COVID-19 virus. Tell us a bit more about that, doctor.
1: So yeah, basically, when we move from the pandemic phase where we have worldwide transmission uh, and variants coming up, um, you know, month after month with COVID. When we move to the endemic phase, we're, we're looking at areas where there is still consistent transmission. There is still pockets of infection uh, around our country, but numbers become more stable. And again, we have the no stress on our, on our healthcare systems, and we have the ability to hopefully treat expeditiously people that do have cases. Um, when it comes to booster doses, right now, all the data is still showing that being up-to-date on your vaccines, meaning you've received your two doses, plus available boosters, or if you're immune suppressed, you've received your three doses plus an available booster, you have very, very good protection against severe COVID hospitalization and death. And right now, for most people, we are not racing to uh, approving fourth doses. We will see in the weeks and months to come, and it might not be until the fall where we see numbers tick up again naturally, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, some folks who are elderly or more um, have more health care issues are not necessarily. necessarily. Necessarily immune suppressed, but maybe hypertensive or diabetic or kidney disease. Maybe those folks might need a fourth dose. But at present, most of us, I think, are going to be okay.
0: Will we ever see a vaccine that's a a combo of Omicron, Delta, and the original virus? Like a a trifecta?
1: Yes, I, I hope so, I, or add in influenza and, and respiratory syncytial virus. I would love to see a polyvalent vaccine that covers multiple seasonable, uh, seasonal viruses uh, to give us the the best protection. What's going to happen here is we know that you know, the vaccines that covered um, two doses of, of messenger RNA vaccine that covered all of our earlier variants quite well. When it comes to Omicron, Omicron's the one that really started slipping through and causing more breakthrough cases. So having an Omicron-specific variant vaccine is going to give us protection against all of the previous strains by and large. So that might be the booster that we need. We've already have excellent protection against alpha and beta and gamma and delta with our first two doses. The booster gives us more protection against Omicron, and an Omicron-specific booster should then in turn give us pretty widespread protection against all.
0: We got news last week of a a new COVID vaccine from Sanofi, uh, Sanofi, and GSK. Uh, How is this vaccine different from Pfizer or Moderna or Johnson & Johnson?
1: So the the Sanofi GSK vaccine, which is called uh, Vidprevtin, basically it's a protein subunit vaccine. Um, it's a little more um, similar to traditional vaccines we've had in the past. So for individuals that have issues with the technology of a messenger RNA vaccine that are still feeling uncomfortable with that, um, even though it's these are very safe and effective, they may feel better about a protein subunit vaccine where tiny, tiny fragments of protein Effectively carry uh, the instructions to our cells to make spike protein. These vaccines performed well, not quite as well as our messenger RNA vaccines, but we're looking at about a 58% decrease in preventing any symptomatic COVID, and then 75 to 100% uh, you know protection against severe hospitalizations and death, depending on where we're at. Mm-hmm. And the other advantage to this too is it's one of the vaccines that can just simply be refrigerated, so it can be stored in a refrigerator. It can get to some areas that are more underserved. It doesn't require any special handling. Still two doses, still about three weeks apart. Mm-hmm. And we'll see uh, if it finds itself a role here in the U.S.
0: Yeah. How effective is it? This new one? So it's about,
1: yeah, it's about 58% effective at preventing any symptomatic COVID. So you can still have an asymptomatic breakthrough. And then when it comes to those severe infections, hospitalizations and deaths, we are looking at 75 to 100% efficacy. So another very good tool in our arsenal.
0: I see. Uh, final question before I let you go, doctor, because we've seen some big companies like Microsoft and, and Facebook announce that they have plans now to return to the office sometime in March. Can you talk about steps that companies can take to make sure that their workplaces are safe for returning employees?
1: Sure. You know, it kind of goes back to what we've said before. We know that people are coming back and working in person again. We know that in many of these locations, masks will be optional. So you have to speak with your physician if you have any health care issues that would make it simply safer for you to continue masking, at least for the time being. You're also going to want to make sure that you're up to date on your vaccines. If you've had your two doses, but haven't had that booster, go ahead and get that booster. And then when it comes to the orientation of where you're sitting in those office spaces if it's a crowded location or you know if you're alone in a cubicle or alone in an office space those might be different contexts i'm still recommending people especially those who might be in a crowded conference room to have that mask close by especially if numbers start ticking up just because we're rolling back and truly i think this time around we are approaching a very good place uh, we still have to have that flexibility to roll back if something surprises us. And that has happened numerous times with COVID.
0: Well, that's infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Teramina. Thank you so much once again, Dr. T. Have a great week. Thanks, you too. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.